What's up, y'all? Welcome to the podcast. I'm Lita O'Neill. Beside me is Casey O'Neill. And this is our show, Living with the Land. We are market farmers. We have uh, cannabis permits. And we raise animals, pigs, chickens, turkeys, ducks, rabbits, etc. Lots of things. Lots of things. And so we've been engaging in this series of agricultural enterprises for a little over a decade now. I think we're starting our 12th year of, of CSA, Community Supported Agriculture. And uh, working farmers markets, far, yeah, farmers markets. A couple years into our roadside farm stand, farm stand is crushing. Yep, it's d- developed into this little uh local foods market, which we're it's awesome, really amazing, enjoying. super stoked on. Um, we're also third generation folks, we uh grew up, we grew up on the land that we work on. Our parents and grandparents came to the land in the 70s, our grandparents showed up in the mid 70s, uh, escaping LA, getting out of the, the hustle and bustle of that. They were back to the landers and slowly after parents showed up in the eighties and then we started showing up, started arriving, <laughs> Yep, started arriving, you know, pretty quickly thereafter. Um, yeah, so, you know, we grew up under the choppers and, you know, the midst of the drug war in the early days, you know, camp raids and the national guard flying the helicopters before they had the 500 foot rule. So, that, you know, the choppers right over the top of the oak tree on top of your house with a dude leaning out of it with a, with a, with the M16 and, um, yep, they they stopped by our folks' place in '85. Casey was three years old, almost almost three. Yep, brother Ben was, you know, one year old or whatever, and I was in utero still. Yep, landed the chopper in the meadow and um, stormed the house. Mom escaped, dragging some kids with her. So you know that was for me that was one of my earliest memories. Very very formative. And and by the same token, prior to the bust, like you know, going out in the in the Manzanita Grove and helping pops water the plants and you know the smell of the water coming out of the hose and him trying to explain to me the difference between morality and legality and sort of grasping it but obviously you know as a toddler not not really getting these big concepts but it was you know it was part of this this very forceful interaction with the system you know the feds tried to seize the land and obviously the parents weren't trying to talk about that with the kids but mm-hmm. that the whole the stress of the thing really weighed on it but the weight on the family weighed on us but the response from the community was such a huge you know the community getting together to throw a big benefit to raise up money for lawyer fees and just this kind of this this foundation and this this togetherness that is, is hard to come by these days and and in that that sense of back to the land movement that you know, the old timers, you know, kind of the spiritual quest of, of arriving back on the land and trying to to live there and figure out how to make a living and, and cannabis coming into that and being an integral part of that. Yeah, because it, it wasn't a part when they moved up here. It was they were they were moving back to the land like grandpa. Yeah. He was a he was a steelworker welder, you know, in L.A. And then he ended up quitting his job and essentially buying the property up here. He built a little barn the first summer and then lived in that and moved you know, grandma and a couple of kids up and there's a couple of the kids, there's nine of them total. Yeah. So seven of them were not in the picture at this they point. They were living on their own, family. but yeah. So they had, they built this plan to start this little family commune, family farm or whatever up, up North. And so they checked out a different couple parcels and they ended up landing on the ones that, that we found. And when they came up here to, to check the places out, it was in April when water was plentiful and all that. And they were, they swooped them up. And but in retrospect, when September came around and there wasn't any water, it was a bit too dry. And so they figured that 
they were going to have to scrap it a lot harder than maybe initially thought. Yeah, in the old days, you know, the pops is in the army and they're, you know, the family's sending these cassettes back and forth talking about, we're going to start this family commune and we're looking for good land with lots of water and mm-hmm. flat spaces for farming. And Well, I mean, the land's good. It's been good to us. Yeah, nothing flat about it. Not, not flat. There wasn't much water. You know, and over the years, we saved up the money to put in some ag ponds. Ponds and, you know, yeah, and that's, that's tank storage. And- really, to become agriculturalists. And... As as it has developed, you know, so I grew up, I went off to college, came back and, and took jobs on cannabis farms, mm-hmm. got together with a group of friends, purchased our own farm. We started, you know, putting in some gardens and growing weed and, and then getting busted myself and, you know, getting rolled up in a whole federal raid and, and doing some time in jail. And, and as I'm going through the court case and I, you know, I'm 26, I don't have a whole lot of work history to show for myself and I'm kind of trying to figure out how to navigate this. And so I started taking these classes, a soil and fertilizers class, a sustainable vegetable production class. And it really turns something over in me. It kind of opens this fertile ground within me in which I, I kind of start to realize that as a as a monocrop farmer and cannabis is my one crop, it's my monocrop. And, and, but it was, cannabis was the portal back to agriculture for me. It, it was the thing that opened the door and as I stepped through it and began to experience this learning about food production and thinking about food and thinking about where my food comes from and starting to read about the local foods movement that's really kind of, you know, kind of blowing up on the scene and, and looking around and seeing my elders, my mentors who have been participating in this local food movement, who have been farming and, and working the land and, and starting to see this kind of this continuum and this opportunity and this these shoes to fill. And so then I, I met Amber who would later become my wife and she was working on a farm on the other side of the mountain. And I was kind of learning. And, you know, I remember she came over to the first time she came over and she's walking around my garden. I'm this real, is cute. I'm real proud of it. And she looks around and she's like, so you want to be a farmer, huh? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And she's like, I'll teach you a few things about farming. And, and at the time, like my ego could not handle it. I, it was like, and I just, mansplained her about how I knew about everything and da 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 and you know it's, it wasn't until years later that I that I really could could come to understand like how much she did know and really to credit her for that and, and accept that she did teach me about farming and, and that it has been this kind of synthesis in which like I knew about growing weed but yep. when you start to transfer it into like row cropping it's a whole different ball game it, it was entirely like, different than yeah. the way we used to grow cannabis for sure yeah, entirely that, different patches in the woods yeah and the manzanita hidden in the niche yep and and so it's been you know as we grew into into what has become happy day farms and and you know we kind of were able to to build something that created space and opportunity and, and then Lido came home to the farm and it's just been such a such an amazing experience yeah and so my segue was much different than Casey's. I went off to college, you know, started doing that whole thing. Was going to, you know, go for physical therapy, maybe be a PE teacher or something sporty like that. Um, and then, so I ended up after a few semesters, you know, I ended up taking a little time off from school just to save up some more money. And then I ended up coming into firefighting and, you know, as a young stud or whatever, that's a great job to have, you know, you're out busting your hump, getting an adrenaline rush, fighting fire, going on calls and, you know, doing all that. And so it was a really, really, really exciting thing. And so it sucked me in. And so I was, you know, like 21, I think is when I started volunteering at like 20, um, you know, ended up going to a fire academy, doing all that. 21, got my job as Cal Fire, uh, started doing a seasonal, worked as a seasonal firefighter for them. 
And then it was always like I would get off season, you know, generally late off in like October when the rains came. And that was usually right around the time the harvest would happen. So I'd then bounce back up to the hill and, you know, go back to the family farm and help out through the winter. And then obviously do a bunch of winter infrastructure jobs, building fences and infrastructure champions. Yeah, that's right, son. (laughs) You know, and then, you know, laying water line and doing all those things, which, which I truly enjoy. You know, I love the craftsmanship of it all and and stuff like that And And, and building a farm. Exactly. And so, you know, little did I know that I was actually going to come back to it. Originally, I was a career firefighter. I was going for it and going for it. And so then, you know, into my fifth, sixth season, I ended up getting promoted to engineer and, you know, I had to go do fire academies and all that. And, you know, through all this experience, which I loved and all that, it's just the the farm kept on building up and it kind of just kept on like hollering at me to come oh, back man. home, you know? And so then, and finally, when I just realized like, man, this is really where I want to be. This is what I want to do. And this was in the, like, right as we were getting into the 215 era and, you know, we were connecting into that model, that model exactly where I really saw the opportunity and the ability to be able to go home and work with my family on, on my property that I always wanted to, to build a house on and be a part of and stuff. And so it was just it was just became too much where finally I just had to had to leave that career and switch and you know come into farming and and originally it was just all about the economics from you know growing cannabis or whatever and then later I ended up you know developing the the love for the food you know and and because originally I would still you know go shop at the local grocery store or whatever go to Safeway and then it wasn't until more you know just a few years ago that all of a sudden I really discovered what the food is all about and that connection and how much better it is. And yeah, when, how much better it makes you feel. And then that connection to the land and how it, if you can produce what makes you feel good off the place that you live on, how special that is. And I ended up knowing that my decision to come home was the right one, you know? And it was, it was such serendipity in which Amber and I are having this conversation and, and I'm talking about, man, you know, I two brothers and I just wish one of them was on the farm working with me and, and like how special that would be. And the next day Lido shows up like, Hey, so um, I think I'm coming home to the farm. And, and so it was just this, you know, this, this utter serendipity. No work is without trial and tribulation. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's been hard, but it's also just been so special to see as this family unit grew in which Ma was the, she's the matriarch, right? and she was a culinary wizard. She always making them us. lunches, yeah, like making team lunches, and like bringing us in. You know, it was always about gathering. Like the family was always about gathering for food. Mm-hmm. And then when mom passed, and we kind of felt this vacuum in this time in which we're trying to work our way through the regulatory process, dealing with all this cannabis bullshit. We're trying to hold the farm together. And the matriarch has left us mm-hmm. and Pops just steps into the role. And all of a sudden, He's Pops is making it. lunches and Pops is holding it, it, it Even more so with the lunches, it was mom. She was all about the processing of yeah. the other foods, yep. too. Yeah, he was making the canned goods, making, preserving can. all this stuff. Exactly. Starting to make these ketchups out of the tomatoes yeah. and marineras and all these pepper really jellies has taken on this role. And now the goods that he's producing are unbelievable. And and part of the foundation of the farm stand, you know, and yeah. seeing, being able to stand at this point and look back on it and look at the farm stand and look at what we're doing and say, mama would be so pumped. She'd be so proud. Exactly. And, and that's the thing that really, you know, you get into this, these questions of like meaning in life and why do you do what you do? And like, 
the the family aspect of the homestead is is kind of the bedrock for us and yep. the foundation and and the family as it interrelates with the land and that's why yeah. kind of the topic for this whole show is living with the land and how we uh, move through time and and spend this limited human existence and yeah the joys it, and the tribulations and the struggles and the beauty of it and it's this foundation that's been able to give us the ability to like be true stewards to the land and figure out you know, how to make it better, how to, how to bring it, you know, bring it back to life in some sense and leave it better than the way we found it. You know, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So no, that's, that's a bit about us. And in this podcast, we're going to chat with, we're going to chat with friends. We're going to chat with farmers. We're going to chat with family. We're going to chat with family that are farmers and friends. Uh, we're going to chat with some foragers, authors, we're going to get deep into conversations and discuss all sorts of topics. You know, the whole idea with it, I think is that it's not a how to, no, it's a, it's an idea podcast. Yeah. It's a, it's a conjecture. It's a thinking, it's a process and it's a learning about, uh, and one of the things that we're excited about is the opportunity to learn from other people and yes. share information, and get inspiration, you know, and inspiration exactly mm-hmm. is, is a key foundational concept for us. And, and we want to, we want to leave this process inspired and we want to offer inspiration to others. Definitely. And so, yes, it's, it's going to be a great time and we're super glad that y'all are here and hopefully you continue to join us. Welcome to living with the land. Yep. Much love. Great success. In top shape. Living with the land is a production of Happy Day Farms and Late Night Waffles. It is licensed with a Creative Commons attribution license, which means I got nothing. Big case. You can wrap it, rock it, bang it in your speakers. Just give credit where credit is due. More information on licensing can be found at the show webpage, www.livingwtland.com. That's www.livingwtland.com. You can catch us on Instagram at Happy Day Farms. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Much love and great success. Top shape. Top shape.